Hey there, Cryptid Keepers. It's Addison here, and before our episode starts, I wanted to talk to you briefly about a new sponsor. Studio, S-U-D-I-O, is a company that wants to revolutionize the way people see headphones, not just as a tech device, but also as an accessory. Currently, the headphones market can offer you one of two things, style or tech. Fashionable headphones often lack the proper sound quality, and the high-tech variations are bulky and not design-oriented. Studio works to bridge that gap. While emphasizing modern Scandinavian design, they also provide a product that matches the quality of even the highest-rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. Alex and I were fortunate enough to receive some of their headphones to try, and we can tell you that these models worked amazingly. I tried out the Regent, which is the premium on-ear model with impeccable clarity in the instrumental tones as well as well-balanced sound. It has 24-plus hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life. It's the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. It can connect to any device that has Bluetooth, but also has an auxiliary cord if you don't have the wireless option. This particular model is excellent for me because I am a voice actor from home and I need to be editing audio all the time. So this allows me to have a comfortable and convenient way to listen to what I'm doing and hear all the little details. Alex got to use the Tray, T-R-E, which is the newest model for those with an active lifestyle. It has 9 plus hours of active battery life and 10 days of standby life. It's the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. It's made of sweatproof material that has custom wing tips that stay comfortably in your ear no matter how fast you're moving. You'll never be caught off guard when wearing them as they provide sound transparency. You can listen to music but still be aware of your surroundings. That keeps you safe. The tray comes with a clip to keep the cord secure on your shirt if you're moving around a lot, and a carrying pouch so your headphones never get ruined in your bag again. And Studio is offering our listeners a 15% off discount if they use the code KEEPER15. That counts as 15% off of any purchase. So if you want to treat yourself this year to some quality headphones with a sleek, modern design, you can go to www.studiosweden.com. That's S-U-D-I-O. S-W-E-D-E-N dot com and use the promo code KEEPER15. That's K-E-E-P-E-R 15. And now back to your regularly scheduled Cryptid Keeper programming. At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. As always, we are entering the realm of the bizarre, frightening, and often very silly, so listener discretion is advised. And remember the old saying, you are what you eat. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it means you too. So hey, join the club. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And we're here to inform you on all the cool little critters that inhabit our world, both real and imagined, although specifically somewhere in between the two. (laughs) Uh, So Addison, I think you are the keeper of this week's cryptid, yes? I am. I am the keeper of this week's cryptid. Good, because if that answer was anything else, we were going to have to turn this episode off and start again. (laughs) (laughs) And then it wouldn't have worked. And then it would be canceled. So I am the keeper of this week's cryptid. And in fact, uh, we are going back to the water this week because I, this one was chosen by a Patreon donor poll. Oh, cool. And it was neck and neck between two 
particular cryptids for a very long time. And then I tweeted about it again yesterday, basically like, I need you to break the tie because two of these people are equal or two of these folks are even. So it was between two of them. And the one that lost was the Toronto Tunnel Monster, which I want to bring back at another point because I researched them both because I didn't know which one was going to win. And then the one that won is... The Whale Eater. All right. I am here for it. Can you just spell that for us so we can understand exactly what it is that we're hearing? Oh, yeah. No, yes. It's W-H-A-L-E space E-A-T-E-R. Okay. That's what I thought you said. Much like the anteater, instead of being defined by what it is, it is defined by what it eats. Now, the Whale Eater is actually a term that different sites and different sources apply to what could be any number of things. So there are a couple different names that this thing is known by, and then there's one particular, like, predominant theory about what this thing actually is. But basically, the whale eater in general refers to sightings of this large sort of fish reptilian ocean, oceanic cryptid that is, a, a like, an un an unnaturally large ocean predator. Okay. That obviously Kind of getting back like to, like, whales. kraken territory. Yes. Now... This guy actually is rooted in a lot more like direct uh, science and archaeology than a lot of the others are because the prevailing theory about the whale eater, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring up how it pops up in other cultures as well, but the prevailing theory about the whale eater is that it is not a separate, like, funky supernatural creature, but that it is either the modern descendant of or, in fact, the existing creature having never gone extinct of the Chronosaurus. Oh, interesting. So do scientists think that this thing is still out there? Well, the, the I don't know how many, like, non-cryptozoology adjacent right. scientists think this thing is still out there, but that that is the prevailing theory for people. Like, this isn't... A lot of our cryptids, if you want to believe in them, require you to sort of buy into some supernatural elements and some kind of wild stuff. But this one specifically just kind of requires you to buy into the fact that deep down in the ocean, perhaps a prehistoric animal never actually went extinct. And that's like Um, hella easy to believe because we know that's true. Exactly. The Chronosaurus was a marine reptile. Have you seen this particular guy? Yes, I have actually. Okay, yeah. So You know I love me some dinosaurs. I know you do. Um, you got a new trailer out. Yeah, I know. Um, so for those who do not, who are unfamiliar with the Chronosaurus, it was a marine reptile. It had an elongated neck, a sh- elongated neck, elongated head, a short neck, a stiff body propelled by four flippers, and a relatively short tail. The posterior flippers larger than the anterior. It was carnivorous with many long, sharp, and conical teeth, and, oh god, it's so big. Current estimates put the Chronosaurus at around 10 to 13 meters, which is 33 to 43 feet in length, which is terrifying, and it had, um, like all like other uh, animals of its type, supposedly a modified pectoral girdle that supported a powerful swimming stroke, allowing it to travel great distances. So, uh, essentially what it looks like is kind of like a crocodile kind of face. It's 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 very it's for people who have not seen the Chronosaurus before. It's it's very nightmarish. It's not something you would want to encounter in the water. This is like a, a um, pop culture deep cut for you. But um, a fun fact about me is that one of my very favorite things in this entire world is bad movies. Specifically, like getting really angry at bad movies, but specifically getting really angry at like movies that are intentionally bad that are like so bad they're good 
Um, and when it comes to that, there's obviously no greater champion on Netflix than The Asylum, um, which is a film company that purposefully makes horrible movies. Like, they're very bad. They're Amazing, actually... Yeah. yeah. well, I mean, they've reached some level of fame now, actually, because they're the masterminds behind Sharknado. So that sort of was like a breakout hit for them, oh if you God. can believe it. Okay. But there are a lot of other gems in that particular collection. And if you look for them, you'll find them. They're incredible and bizarre and so, so strange. Their scripts are all written in like 24 hours. It's bananas. But um, but there is one called Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus, which I think <laughs> is kind of oh what God. we're understanding here. <laughs> Yes, Crocosaurus. That's it, actually. If there yes, are any correct. other Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus fans out there, I need you to tweet at me because I need to know that we exist. <laughs> One more time, what's the title of this movie? Hmm? What's the title of this movie again? It is Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. That's a really good title. It's incredible. So it's funny that you mention, uh, it's funny that you mention the Kraken. Mm-hmm. Because. What I'm about to go into, actually, uh, this is some stuff taken from the Cryptids wiki. Of course. um, Is, of course, some stuff by Max, uh, some statements and and talking by Max Hawthorne, who is a fiction writer, but who does talk a lot about, he writes, like, a genre he refers to as paleo fiction. Mm -hmm. So he writes a lot of stuff uh, about, like, involving, like, the Chronosaurus and, like, a lot of deep sea stuff. But he also has a book uh, called Chronos Rising, the Kraken. So okay, I just thought it was funny that you mentioned the Kraken. I'm into That's it. not what I'm about to talk about. It's just that when I looked him up, the one of the first things that came up was when you Google Max Hawthorne is Max Hawthorne Kraken. Um, <laughs> not implying, of course, that he is the Kraken, but you know. Um, Let me believe what I want to believe. Okay, so there are, taken from uh, the Cryptids wiki, some statements sort of, uh, some statements about potential sightings of what could have been the Chronosaurus slash whale eater. So this is one from World War One, and a lot of these are, come from Max Hawthorne. That's why I mentioned him. Here we are. So Max Hawthorne thought that the great, mar- oh my gosh, Max Hawthorne thought that the great marine reptiles of the Mesozoic, in particular, the Mosasaurs and Pliosaurs, is it Pliosaurs or Pliosaurs? Uh, you know, I think P-L-I-O. it's yeah. I think it's pliosaur, but I'm not positive. I said yeah. That's I said how pliosaur, I've always read it in I, my head, but I don't know if that's actually correct. I'm gonna say it, and then the, the internet will tell me if I'm wrong. So, and pliosaurs that once ruled the primeval seas could still exist. So, this is a sighting that he cites in one of his books that is then referred to on the Cryptids Wiki. During World War One, the German submarine U-28, under the command of Captain Georg von Forstner, torpedoed the British steamer. I- the British steamer Iberian in the North Atlantic. His report read, On July 30, 1915, RU-28 torpedoed the British steamer Iberian carrying a rich cargo in the North Atlantic. The steamer sank quickly, the bow sticking almost vertically into the air. When it had gone for about 25 seconds, there was a violent explosion. A little later, pieces of wreckage, and among them a gigantic sea animal, writhing and struggling wildly, was shot out of the water to a height of 60 to 100 feet. At that moment... I had with me in the tower my officers of the watch, the chief engineer, the navigator, and the helmsman. Simultaneously, we all drew one another to this wonder of the seas. We were unable to identify it. We did not have time to take a photograph, for the animals sank out of sight after 10 or 15 seconds. It was about 60 feet long, was like a crocodile in shape, and had four limbs with powerful webbed feet. So? So... Yeah. Okay. So something I have to like wrap my head around every time I read like a sighting or hear a story like this or just any- anything describing like a creature of, of great size or enormous length or like astounding feats 
is I always have to like recalibrate my brain to understand <laughs> the magnitude of like what I'm here like what I'm supposed to be visualizing you know what I mean does that make sense because like oh yeah you hear like 60 to 100 feet and like 60 and 100 aren't numbers that are particularly big in the grand scale of things but like that's how high it shot in the air no 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 I know I know but like can you can you even imagine that is what I'm asking (laughs) (laughs) oh no that's fair I can't (laughs) like I definitely can't I hear 60 to 100 feet and I'm like that's not like that high but it really I mean like something just like being shot a hundred feet out of the water is bananas. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like, that is... I don't know, that's that's nuts. I mean, I think, oh, right? like, a story... Is. Like, a story in a house is, like, about, what, 20 feet, generally? I think generally, yes. Yeah, like, generally about, about yeah. 20 feet. Um, so that's, like, a five-story building. Yeah. That's almost incomprehensible just to imagine something being shot out of the ocean. And then not only that, but the thing being shot out of the water is 60 feet long. Yeah, exactly. That is unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like when I'm listening to stories, it's really easy for my brain to just like gloss over that fact. But I think it's important that you don't because that is nuts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now my second, there's a second sort of, this isn't a sighting of a living creature. It is the discovery of remains that imply, and this is one of my favorite things, because I think I talk a lot about how, um, or not a lot, but on one episode I talked about how with a lot of the, a lot of cryptids, something that seems to be missing when people research them is evidence of them eating or like existing in the world, like feeding on just stuff and how, how they're surviving. Oh yeah. I remember that conversation. Yeah, the second thing is not a sighting of the creature itself, but rather a discovery of something that it possibly ate. This is also from the Cryptids Wiki uh, in 2012. On August 13th, 2012, a 65-foot fin whale ended up stranded on, on the beach of the... Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Let me do that one more again. On August 13th, 2012, a 65-foot fin whale ended up stranded on the beach off the St. Austell coast of England. This was documented by both still pictures and film footage. According to reports, the whale swam into the shallows and remained there until the receding tide left it stranded. Despite rescue efforts, the whale, which was reported as malnourished, distressed, and sporting injuries to its face and eyes, it died shortly thereafter. Now, photographs from the sightings indicate that the whale's face was riddled with gouging wounds. From the preceding photograph, there are a series of deep punctures running along the right side of its lower jaw that are quite visible in many of the pictures. The punctures are evenly spaced and run in a straight line, then curve around to form an unmistakable elongated U-shaped pattern. Basically looking like something with a U-shaped mouth bit right down on his face. Yeah, that's wild. And the fossil record supports the potential for such a predator in the exact same reason, same region. The Weymouth Bay Pleosaur, also known as Pleosaurus cavani, whose skull is on display at the Dorset County Museum in Dorchester, has or Dorchester has a tooth-lined skull measuring nearly eight feet in length, and the animal itself calculated at nearly forty and around that same shape. So it's the same region of the ocean, similar skull that would Im- that would imply that sort of shaped bite mark, and about the size of the animal we've been talking about. So that's just interesting. Yeah. Well, um, you know what's wild to me about that is like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's one thing to hoax the existence of like a cryptid or a creature, right? Like that's been done a million times, and it's. I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy to do, but it's doable to do. Like, it can be done. Um, I imagine it would be a lot harder to hoax something like that. 
like, to come up with a real actual whale to wash it off the coast of England, and then to replicate these bite marks all across it. Like, that's strange. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to read just uh, one more section from this. This is not a sighting or anything. It's just a, a little bit of prose by Mr. Max Hawthorne talking about the ocean. And I just enjoyed it. I am terrified of the ocean. I talk about it all the time. I don't. So I, I almost didn't want this one to win the Patreon poll, but I understand that the phrase whale eater is going to spark some imaginations and uh, warrant some attention. But I like this little section here. And if these creatures, these great scaly titans of prehistory, are still out there, lurking in the ocean depths and wisely avoiding us like the plague, we need to find them. We need to, as safely as possible, locate them, study them, learn from them, and most importantly, we need to protect them. Because if the remnants of a race of mega-predators that once shared our planet with the dinosaurs are still alive, they are the greatest survivors in the history of the world. They are the true lords of the deep. I like that. <laughs> I know, it's just, it's, it seems like it wouldn't be out of place as a monologue in a Jurassic Park film. Honestly, um, you're so right. I love Jurassic Park um, so much. I know this. I know this very much. Um, so I'm going to a little bit more talk about some other ple- potential uh, Chronosaurus sightings. And then there are also some uh, things with, there's another whale eater in in folklore like as opposed to like this is a term used generally for kind of sightings of this thing there's also a whale eater figure in irish folklore i know we were just in that region last week i didn't mean to i found it by accident while i was researching this but yeah that's okay i mean like your algorithm doesn't have to be the same as my algorithm i have like a complicated way in which i decide which crypt i'm going to do next but doesn't mean there has to be like any rule about it thank you some of us just ask the internet or see what sounds neat <laughs> thank you All right, so now this should be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt, Uh, but AboveTopSecret.com has an entry from someone named Pause for Thought that says, photo of a modern day chronosaurus. I need to ask you a quick question. Uh Uh-huh. Is it Pause for Thought, like P-A-U-S-E for Thought, or is it Pause No, it's P-A-U-S-E, but the four is a number four, if that makes it better. Yeah, but it's not like pause i know i'm sorry it's okay but hey on the bright side that username might still be available that's true (laughs) now this one just makes me laugh because uh, a little bit just because it was an entry of someone discussing that there might be a modern day chronosaurus and it's referring to a photo at the point three minutes and 18 seconds in this video and then they link a video but then if you click on the video it says an error occurred the government didn't want us to find out about the modern day chronosaurus it just is a that was so that was just a little like fun little aside but um I come across, so here's the thing. I didn't expect this. I expect it when I look at, when I look up alien things. When I expect it when I look up supernatural things. But the amount of, like, really out, off the wall or, like, disdainful content I found on the internet from people just being like, can you believe that people think maybe there are still these dinosaurs in the deep, dark ocean? Can you even conceive of it? Is absurd to me uh well here's okay here's my theory on that i 
I am so fascinated by like the depths of the ocean and what lies down there precisely because yeah. I'm so fascinated by the idea that like we don't want to know, right? Like we yeah. we have gone to such great lengths to avoid knowing what is on 75% of our planet. You know? That's weird. Oh, yeah. That's weird. Like we would rather mount missions into space then figure out what is here with us. Because the ocean is nuts. Yeah. Because the no, ocean is. is freaking nuts. And we're like, you know what? <laughs> what if we spend millions of dollars like going to rocks instead? Don't get me wrong. I love space. I think NASA is like way legit. But I'm just saying, it's like a strange tier of priorities that the oceans which cover literally the majority of our planet are less well explored than, like, our immediate solar system. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And I think it's because, honestly, we have a better idea of what we'll find here, and we don't love it. (laughs) Yeah. You know? It's like... And I I don't know. I've thought a lot about this, because at one point I was going to, like, write a sci-fi play based on this concept. Um, So, like, don't steal my idea, guys, if you're out there. Um, But basically, the idea that, like, we're actually more... Because I'm a huge Michael Crichton fan, right? Like, I love Jurassic Park. I love Sphere. But I I'm, I'm more or less love what Michael Crichton was doing with, like, exploring the human psychology through these scientific metaphors. And the ocean is a fascinating one to me because I think I have this hunch that humans are actually way more scared of what we know and don't want to face than we are of what we don't know. Like, we're not scared of the unknown. Are you kidding me? Like, the entire history of humankind is, like, boldly running forward headfirst into the unknown. Like, we're not scared of that. People who want to say, like, that you're scared of the unknown are, like, that's not, that's totally groundless. We're not scared of the unknown. We're scared of, like, what we do know and what we anticipate. And so, like, the ocean is oh, yeah. way more terrifying to us than outer space is. Because we really don't know what's out in outer space. Like, so that's fine. We'll go chart that because, like, we don't know. We'll find something out. That's cool. We're terrified of the ocean because we know what's down there and it's dinosaurs. And it's, like, creepy fish oh, yeah. with no eyes. Like, we don't love Oh, that. my God. <laughs> Octopi are aliens. Yeah. Like, they are terrifying. Anyway, that's straight up, like, a whole bunch of pseudoscience for me. So, like, don't tweet at me being like, well, actually, statistically, it's like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm talking about metaphors here. I'm talking in sweeping generalizations, and I'm talking about poetry. So, like, leave me alone. But I think it's interesting that the human psyche works in that way. Yeah. Now, what I actually have for you um, is a little bit more information on this particular thing with the whale that was found dead with the bite mark. Um, now I really, I, I have actually found all the pictures and stuff that people were talking about and actually a diagram demonstrating how those bite marks might have been made, like with a mouth in the shape of this particular type of creature. Um, and that is on frontiersofzoology.blogspot.com, which is run by Dale A. Drennan, who is a researcher in the field of cryptozoology and has been for the past 30 years and has corresponded with Bernard Huvelmans and Ivan T. Sanderson. And he has a degree in anthropology from Indiana University. And his motto is, I would rather be right and entirely alone than wrong in the company with all the rest of the world. Wow. I like that little profile. That was nice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, basically what he has is more information from Max Hawthorne. Max Hawthorne is the one who sort of wrote the theoretical post on this whale sighting. Or this whale sighting. The dead whale that had the... uh, They saw a whale. You know what I mean. On this particular whale. And I just want to... There's also some first-hand accounts of kind of 
just the experience of seeing the whale wash up, just because I do think I should emphasize as well that this whole thing is kind of steeped in strangeness already because beached whales are not wholly uncommon. But what basically happened with this one is a 65-foot fin whale that swam in front of people up onto the shallows and, like, sat there and let the water go out. And people saw it, like, swim up onto the shore, which is absolutely like it was people didn't find a dead whale on the beach people saw a whale that seemed like it was running from something swim up onto the shore like um this is a first-hand account from uh this is from matt cardi who's the photographer who took some of the photographs that appeared in the bbc story and also just like appear on this website um so we've got when i arrived it was bedlam Cars were parked everywhere and people were making their way to the beach. The whale had been reported only a few hours before and was already attracting a large crowd of onlookers. It had washed up on a private beach and they had closed the car park. Luckily, I showed my press card and talked to the security guards. This is not park, but, um, sorry, sorry, sir. But, um, but, uh, basically it was still moving when people took the pictures. As soon as I arrived, I was told there was little anybody could do as the animal was already too sick to be helped. Uh, and he talked to the, he describes camera stuff, how he took his pictures. Eventually the animal went through what we later realized were its death throes, opening its mouth and swashing its tail. After 15 minutes or so, it settled down and the rescuers examined it and pronounced it all and pronounced it dead. It was a very sad end to an event that had happened all really quickly. It's just a very, it's already a very strange, like kind of upsetting event. Yeah. That's which really is what kind of fascinates me about it. Yeah. Cause I could be incorrect. Maybe I just haven't heard a lot of of the story but um there's a little caption that I there's a caption that I love and this is taken from not necessarily a very reliable source but taken from the Daily Mail um but which describes the image like the caption it says close up of the wounds on the head something with enormous elongated jaws had seized the whale and was worrying it to death the whale escaped but was traumatized and eventually beached itself in a state of starvation. This was not the bite of a sperm whale or any other known large marine predator. Interesting. So, so there's um, basically uh, another confirmation um, the confirmation from Scott Martis, who I need to double check who that person is, um, uh, but who was one of the people reporting on this sighting and basically theorizing that it was some sort of unknown predator provides comparison photographs of the bite pattern of a sperm whale which is what people kind of immediately leapt to being the attacker that it was a dispute between the two whales and the teeth row the the way the teeth are lined up is completely different and does not match the way the bite of a sperm whale would look right that makes sense interesting dental analysis i mean hey it's how we solve human crimes yeah and dale drennan the uh welcome to the whale crimes division gentlemen yeah, and Dale Dr- Drinnen, the writer of this uh, uh, entry, says, I have records of similar bite marks reported from before. This is the first time they have been photographed and so well documented. But I have heard of such things as far back as the 1970s when I was going through Ivan Sanderson's archives. Reports at that time were unsubstantiated allegations only, unfortunately. We needed to wait 40 more years before we had good documentation. So, that is some more information on this particular, on this unsolved whale crime. <laughs> These are their stories. Dun, dun. Now, um, there is... Now I'll tell you about the creature that I found out about while I was researching the whale eater. And it may or may not be related. It may or may not. Now I'm going to stop you for just a minute before you get into that, Addison. 
Uh Um, And I'm going to say that, uh, just as a note to our listeners today, unlike our usual setup, Addison and I are actually not recording in the same room today, which means that she can't show me any of her usual pictures or whatnot that she would have. However, we do have the next best thing, which is the amazing sound quality given to us by our studio headphones. So it sounds like we're in the same room, even though we're not. And if you are in the market for a new pair of headphones, you can hook yourself up with a pair courtesy of our discount code by going to studio headphones and using Keeper15 as a promo code. Yep, that is K-E-E-P-E-R-15. And let me tell you, the sound quality on these is awesome. I got a pair of the tray uh, earbuds, which are their sport earphones, and all of them are completely wireless, Bluetooth compatible, super friendly. Mine have like the really nice little flexible wingtips that go in your ear so I can listen to podcasts when I run, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I got the Regent model, which are the on-ear ones, um, and I use them for sound editing. I am a voice actor, so I am listening to stuff with an uh, like pretty much most of the time and I need headphones that I can actually hear the details of what I'm listening to hear all the little breaths all the little blips everything I need to catch and these work amazingly and they have 24 hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life and so they last forever they're wireless they're over the air and they're incredible if you have to do a lot of audio editing especially remotely and I am very pleased with it. Yeah, they're excellent. So no matter what your sort of audio lifestyle is, I guess, whether you're, you know, somebody who likes to just casually listen to music or podcasts, or if you're like me and you go running a lot and you want to like be able to listen with really sharp and clear sound quality, but also still hear the world around you, or if you're audio recording, or if you are trying to, you know, talk about cryptids with your friend who's halfway across town, then (laughs) they've got you covered (laughs) is what we're saying here. Most high-end headphones only offer you style or substance. Essentially, they offer you either headphones that work and don't look good or headphones that don't look that look good and don't really work. But studio headphones are bridging that gap. They look great. They look sleek and minimalist and modern, and they also work really well. Yeah, so once again, our uh, promo code is KEEPER15. And if you use that promo code, then not only will you get yourself a discount on headphones, but it'll show our sponsors at Studio that we are hooking you guys up with the goods. And I will have a link to their site in the show notes. Great. So anyway, on that note, what else were you going to tell me about, Addison? Okay, so on that note, we're going to hop over to Ireland again. Cool. I love doing that. Oh my goodness. So we're going to have fun with pronunciation. Oh Uh, no. And I'm not there to help you. I'm so sorry. You're not, you're not here to help me. Um, this is the, it's G-O-R-R-A-M-O-O-L-O-C-H. It's the Goramulok. Sure. Goramulok. <laughs> Do you think that might? It, it sounds good. Gor- Go for it. Goramulok. I'm just going to call it the Irish whale eater because that's what it's also called. Um, Fair enough. So the Irish whale eater. Um I love this. It's, this is from the new cryptozoology wiki, so a different wiki, and then I have some other sites as well. But just the top of this has a picture of it, an artist's rendering, and then just the caption, it has an Irish name, and fishermen insist that the sight of it is bad luck. Ooh. <laughs> Which is kind of basically you, right? You have an Irish name, and fishermen insist the sight of you is bad luck. Oh, yeah. We're the same. We're the same. Now, 
Here's the thing. There's an artist's rendering of it, and while it doesn't have four fins the way that a pleosaur does, its face is rendered in a way that does not look terribly different. It has front fins, like um, little like front fins, and then a back tail, and then a face that is somewhat elongated in the way that a pleosaur might be. Um, and it definitely looks like something that would live in its kind of family. Okay. Now, um... This, <laughs> I love this thing. It's weird. And it may or may not be related to the whale eater that I was researching before, but obviously I searched whale eater. It came up and it's a sea, a sea creature that attacks whales. So got to cover it. Good enough for so, me. Good enough for me. So <laughs> it reports from the west coast of Ireland, where it is alleged to have been seen frequently. Uh, and according to inhabitants, inhabitants of the wilder parts of the coast of Connemara, Mayo and Donegal, it frequently turns up uh, at night. It is described as being 100 feet long and rushing through the water with the speed of an express train. Oh, wow. Occasionally, it would leap out of and forward over the water at a distance to its own length. When it fell back into the sea again, the splash was said to sound like the crack of a three-inch gun. Oh, wow. I love that. Uh, I spent some time out in Connemara, actually. It's gorgeous. Oh yeah, yeah, it's beautiful out there. Did you see? Um, did you see the Irish whale eater? I did not, but I wasn't there. Well, I mean, I like I was there at night. We spent like a couple nights in Clifton, but um, I, I was mostly like out hiking and whatnot during the day, so I wouldn't have seen it. But that's awesome. I can mm-hmm. definitely see like that's definitely an area where I can believe there would be like weird things existing. It's gorgeous. It's it's still very like picturesque and, and natural. From what I understand, and again, I wasn't there like a super long time, and I am not a resident of Ireland, but uh, it's my yeah. understanding that that coastal region is where a lot of, like, tourism and whatnot happens. So I think a lot of it is still very well preserved, like, in its natural state, so it makes sense to me that it wouldn't be, like, terribly tamed, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, it is regarded as a bad omen, and it is also large, so large and powerful that it is regarded that it chases whales for sport. Oh, whoa. That's just according to the according to the new cryptozoology wiki. Now I've got also um, some comparison images, and I wish I will tweet these. I guess because I can't show them to you, but there's some comparisons of artists' renderings of the uh, artists' renderings of this particular creature compared to various types of whales, particularly the humpback whale, which I should point out because it has a kind of tapered face, very similarly to the way that. Pleosaurs are described, or the or the Chronosaur is described, has kind of that like it doesn't look like quite like the alligator, but it has a tapered face. Okay, um, cool. Now, oh my goodness, this is my favorite. Uh, this is a newspaper clipping. So this was, by the way, posted on Frontiers of Zoology as well. The site I used before that discussed the whale that washed ashore has a newspaper clipping submitted by Jerome Clark. And this is from the Kingston Daily Freeman, published in Kingston, New York, on June 17th, 1922. Ireland has found its own sea serpent. This being the time for the annual crop of sea serpents, the public here is being regaled with a new one of Irish nationality. I guess it's the time for sea serpents. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I read that verbatim. Please read this it for me one time. more time. Yeah. <laughs> this being the time for the annual crop of sea serpents, the public here is being regaled with a new one of Irish nationality. The annual... Wow. 
I don't know what that means. It is time for the serpent harvest, my children. <laughs> Welcome now, to the reaping. Now the this is where we pluck all it. of our favorite monsters from the sea. Yes, you all know the time. Now, most of the information on this entry is essentially the same as what I uh, just read you from the other thing, but the wording of that delights me so much. That's incredible, um, and I love it. Yeah, seriously. So what now, was the date on the paper again? Like, did we miss annual sea serpent time, or? It's June 17th, 1922. Okay, we've got some time. Now, um... There are, and then there. Are, the great thing is there are a lot of really great comparisons of other creatures that it could potentially be. So some other explanations for the Irish whale eater. Um, it uh, is regarded, according to our buddy Dale here on Frontiers of Zoology, says it's a good description of a humpback whale leaping fully out of the water, as they sometimes do. I mentioned how they say it leaps all the way out and then collapses back in. The size is somewhat exaggerated since the humpback whale only grows to 60 feet long, but still a guess of 100 feet is less than double the actual length and double the actual length in a report of an unknown animal is almost standard. The statement about their leaping would basically only be a bad guess after gannets, which type of fish would be a bad guess as to what was going on. Similarly, the allegation of a vertically set tail. Now, that's just their personal theory, and then there's some other comparisons of things it could be. Um, There's also... Or other, uh, like, sea serpents, other fictional creatures that look similarly. Particularly, there's um, an Amazonian one there's an artist's rendering of that has a very, very similar appearance to a chronosaur. Um, a chronosaurus. So that's very interesting to me. And I can't show you any of these pictures because we are recording over just audio right now. But it's okay. Um, because I will show them to you another time. It's all right. It means, chrono- it means I'm getting the full audience experience here. Oh, you're right. They've got, they've got crocodile mouth. Now, that's pretty much the only uh, information I you can find about this particular thing, this particular uh, critter. If you find it, you can find that exact like newspaper excerpt all over the internet with very little explanation of why this guy says that that's the time of year that. That that's the time of year that sea monsters happen. I don't need any further um, explanation. I love you it. Don't? I'm willing to accept it. Oh, well, I'm glad. You know, June, the time when we start talking about sea serpents. You remember how every yes. June we talk about sea serpents a lot? You know. I, I, I do. You're right. I'm sorry. I forgot. You know how June is when everybody just starts talking about those sea serpents? That's my favorite thing about June, is all the serpents. Yeah, of course. Now, I need to find it, because there was something that I found when I was... There it is, I found it. There was something I found, and this is not related, but it's another water cryptid that I was entertained by. Um, It is not related at all, except for that when you search for the... uh, is that except for that when you search for the whale eater, you find the cryptids wiki article on it. Oh, good. And for a a relatively unknown cryptid, which might very well be code for this cryptids wiki poster made it up. But I also, I'm not saying that's true. It is a guaranteed true falsehood. It is a guaranteed true falsehood. But I found a thing uh, called the Yukon Beaver Eater. (laughs) 
I'm obsessed. Or the, which is a relatively unknown cryptid described as bigger than even the biggest grizzly bear that got its name from, of course, its diet. So the theme today is cryptids that are named after what they eat. You are what you eat, guys. Um, it caught beavers by flipping up their lodges and then seizing the exposed beavers. <laughs> sorry. It's just the wording of that kills me. I'm sorry. Please do that again, but like with a straight face. I'm so sorry. I lost my professionalism. <laughs> uh, oh my god. It caught beavers by flipping up their lodges and seizing the exposed beavers. That is nuts. <laughs> Literally just picks up the beaver house and then... <laughs> just grabs them. Oh my god. Dawn Charlie, a Canadian First Nation member, contacted the British Columbia Scientific Cryptozoology Club with this sighting. The latest report was from Violet Johnny, my husband's sister, who was fishing with her husband and her mother at the head of Tachin Lake. Hold for train. I literally hear nothing. Yeah, you can't hear it, but my microphone's picking it up and I can see it on the screen. Gotcha. It, it's, it's also regarded, do you want to know what it looks like? It looks like a giant beaver. Wait, it's a large beaver that just goes around chowing down on other (laughs) beavers? It eats the little beavers. It's like Attack on Titan, but for beavers. Oh, no. (laughs) It's horrifying. It's Attack on Titan, but for beavers. I was not ready for that sentence to come out of anyone's mouth. It's absolutely horrible, and I hate it. It's a beaver beaver world out here. Yeah, and since after the whale eater winning the poll, I realized there was not all that much information about the whale eater, I just decided I should talk about the strange thing I found, because there's no way it could ever have its own episode, because this is literally the only information That's it. about it's it. It's just like a very large beaver that eats other beavers and in the most ridiculous sighting. way. You have a sighting? Or it's potentially a ground sloth. Yes, I do have a sighting. What? I have one sighting. Give it to me now. No. I will. I got you. Okay, so this one sighting says that... Uh, this latest report was from Violet Johnny, my husband's sister, who was fishing with her husband and her mother at the head of Tatooon Lake four or five years ago. An animal came out of the woods, eight or nine feet high, bigger than a grizzly bear, coming toward them. They panicked, fired a few shots over its head, and finally managed to get the motor going and took off. There are other reports. There is a report that a man shot one in a small lake in that area. Beaver eaters are supposed to live in the mountainous area of east of Frenchman Lake. One possible theory is that it is a giant ground sloth. However, giant ground sloths are herbivores, or were herbivores. They're not supposed to be around anymore. But could a giant ground sloth survive by adapting into a carnivore? Other more plausible explanations are an unusually large grizzly bear, a surviving short-faced bear, or, strangely enough, a giant beaver of the Castroroidus genus. So this whole episode Giant is just like beaver. this whole episode is just like weird dinosaurs that haven't gone away. That's it. Dinosaurs that haven't gone away. Just like very confused dinosaurs that are still hanging on. They just they don't know. They didn't hear Oh my gosh. Okay, I don't really have really much explanation for the giant sloth slash beaver eater, beaver eater, beaver eater, but the underwater ones, they weren't getting the same information as all the on land ones. So is it possible that like, you know, when whatever, like, you know, you know how when the dinosaurs left left America, left the world, it was because they just got a call from their home planet and were told to pack it in and come home. Oh no, and they missed it. Under the water, they missed it. They didn't get the call. And they're, like, assuming if they ever came out of the water, they would be like, hey, guys, what's up? What, what did I miss? But all their friends are gone. And the giant beavers were just hibernating. 
They were they slept through it. They slept oh, no. through. Can you imagine sleeping through the dinosaur rapture? The raptor rapture? Oh no. Alex. No, I'm sorry. I should have called it the Velociraptor. The Velociraptor. Oh my god. That's um that's good. also the name of my new punk band, in case you were wondering. Velociraptor. Velociraptor. See, oh, see, this is gonna get awkward because that's the name of my uh, dinosaur-themed pinup girl calendar. Velociraptor. That's good too. <laughs> it's just a lot of dinosaurs in like beautiful vintage lingerie. Um, <laughs> I think we just found our next sticker uh, set. Oh, have we? <laughs> I'd actually really like that. Are, will, you, will you draw it? Pinup dinosaurs. You want me to draw you pinup dinosaurs? I do. We'll work on it, maybe. <laughs> okay, thank you. But you're right. Um, the idea of, in all seriousness, I wholeheartedly, we've talked before about how buck wild the ocean is. I am full, wholeheartedly ready to believe that all manner of strange, horrible things continue to exist below the water, <laughs> like way down deep there. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing about the ocean is it's not a question of whether or not horrible things are still down there. It's just a question of which horrible things are down there. Exactly. And there are things that look like the Kronosaurus that are li- just little. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, totally. I can't remember what it's called, but there is an animal. Like, it's like a, it's not a fish, but it's not a crocodile. And there's a thing that looks kind of like it, but it's small. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to give me a little bit more help with that, but... I'm going to just right quick, just right quick look that up because it's going to bother me forever. Um, And then we'll wrap everything up. Nope. Nothing came up except for a book called Reign of the Sea Dragons. What did you Google? Did you just Google tiny weird fish that look like crocosaurs that aren't fish, but they aren't animals either? I Googled... uh, I googled modern day Chronosaurus. Okay. Although I found one more cool, uh, one more interesting, important Chronosaurus fact that adds to the theory about it being the thing that killed that one whale. Let's hear it. Um, according to Reign of the Sea Dragons, which is a book about dinosaurs, it's not like a weird fun fictional book. Um, but uh, according to um, basically theories, the Chronosaurus may have used bolt shake feeding to kill its prey, which is where you seize the victim and violently shake it back and forth till it's ripped apart. And that was, if you recall, what was said about the wounds left on that fin whale. Yeah, wow. Is that it was something that had grabbed it and shaked it around. That's what killed the whale. Law and order, SWU. Are you telling me that there are <laughs> giant crocodiles that shake whales around for fun? Looks like this whale, I don't know, looks like shake some... Oh, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> Looks like someone took shake and bake a bit too far. Anyway. Looks like not all's well that ends whale. Ah, oh, that's more of like a CSI opener. <laughs> okay, fine. It's still the whale Puts crimes division. Puts on sunglasses. You're right, you're right. CSI whales. Um, so that's going to do it. <laughs> I hope you had a nice time out here in the ocean. Thank you for that fun, weird brain journey. Yeah, I enjoyed our time Thank out you. on the deep blue. Yeah, I have to be more careful when I set up the polls because sometimes the animal that wins the poll is one that doesn't have a terrible amount of information about it. Yeah, I get but that. What but at least there is that there there is some cool shit about the whale eater, and that was fun to share with you. I enjoyed it. Um, I also enjoyed like the weird bonus cryptid beaver guy. 
Oh, did you like the big, the the giant beaver? I did. All I want to do is see you turn into <laughs> a giant that. beaver. No, I don't. I don't. I don't want that. <laughs> it sounds terrifying. <laughs> it's teeth as big as your head. It's um, a lot. Um, so announcements? I actually don't think that. I'll tell you what. I think aside from the fact that I'm putting up shirts on the Etsy store in this week. Oh, and just a quick like, on episode shout out to whoever wrote the Cryptid Keeper on that thing up. That pod PodCon, yeah. And, um, you know, a happy PodCon to everybody who, I guess, will have just finished up PodCon. A very happy PodCon. Merry PodCon to all and to all a good pod. Yeah, keep, like, keeping us in your thoughts and shout-outs and, and telling all your friends about us. And, hey, maybe we'll be here next year. I was just about to say, maybe someday we'll get to con a pod. We already con Tonight all the folks be. listening. Oh, trick them into thinking we know stuff. Just kidding. We've never pretended to know stuff. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to let you go get some rest because you've had a very, very big weekend. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, well, it hasn't been like a crazy, like more crazy than usual, but I, But you were being a jazz boy. I was being a jazz boy. All the trumpet jelly from that horrible click hole quiz that I love so very much. <laughs> um, so I want to just thank you all, as always, for listening. I want to... Uh, reminder of our um facebook group in case you haven't come to hang out with us yet in the cryptic keeper appreciation group yo and a quick shout out to all of our patreon donors um we really appreciate all of you we know that like some weird stuff is going down with patreon right now and like is in the works coming down the line maybe changing maybe not whatever your thoughts are on it and wherever you stand please keep telling patreon what you think they're have been finally some responses trickling through from Patreon about maybe taking those thoughts into consideration, changing the way that these things are going to roll out. So, like, your comments are being heard. We obviously can't guarantee that it'll, you know, go amount to anything or not, but keep telling us what you're thinking, keep telling Patreon what you're thinking, and if for any reason you have to withdraw your pledges, please do not feel bad about it. Let us know. We are totally understanding, and we're not going to blame any of you guys for it. Thank you so much for all you've done for us up to this point, and even if you can't continue or if you have to drop your pledge or lower it or whatever, like, thank you just so much for everything you've done and everything you continue to do. Exactly. There's so many ways to give back to us, and you guys find them all every day, and we love it so much. Absolutely. See, that's the, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's just like, I, and that wasn't very articulate. I just get overwhelmed. It's fine. I just, that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> very, that's the thing, isn't it? No, I'm really, really grateful. And we're just very, ha- we're very hashtag grateful, hashtag blessed, but in a genuine, non-ironic way. And um, like Patreon is, it's, it's helpful and it's nice when it's been helpful to us. But honestly, if it's not treating you guys well, that's not okay. And we're in your corner with that as well. If you have to pull support, we're never going to, you never have to feel bad. Yeah. Or if we have to end up, you know, adapting and changing and going with the flow and finding some new platform for us to move forward as a community, like we're open to that. So yeah. If it comes down to us having to find a new place, yeah, a new way to do this. That's also a thing. We can be flexible. We can adapt. We can, uh, be like the dinosaurs that survived the comet or whatever or alien invasion or whatever took them away we can fill in in the gaps in our donor dna with hermaphroditic frogs and that metaphor went off the rails really fast nature finds a way so right so wise (laughs) thank you um, as always, our music is by Andrew Giada. And one more thank you to, uh, to Studio um, for supporting the show. And thank you to you 
for supporting the show. You, right? You listening? Yes? Correct. You, that one. Yep, you, um, right there. That's the one. Right there. I should just say a name, and then if someone has that name and they're listening, they'll freak out. But you, Jerry. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> as him, always. Got him in one. <laughs> got him in one. As always, we hope we can keep you around. And stay safe out there. <laughs>